Welcome to Finally Fearless, a podcast devoted to uncovering everything you never knew you needed to know when it comes down to your health and wellness. My name is Dr. Melissa Chofi, a physical therapist specializing in pelvic health. After working in traditional healthcare for four years, I grew disenchanted with the gimmicks and the garbage, scare tactics and scarcity mindset, and all the things that were being pushed on people to make them fear their bodies instead of actually using them to live the lives that they so deserve. This podcast will give you all the tools to demand a life worth living instead of sitting your best days out on the sidelines. We get really raw around here, so grab your headphones and let's jump right into today's episode. Friends, social media is really driving me crazy. And the plethora of misinformation out there for the sake of getting an account some attention and likes and clicks and comments, it's crazy to me how much misinformation is out there. And it shouldn't be surprising to anyone especially if you've been paying attention over the past three years. It shouldn't be surprising to anyone that there's so much misinformation out there. But when accounts that should be doing better, like a healthcare account, should be doing better, and they're pushing this agenda, I I don't have time for it. So the whole reason I'm going on this rant, and one of the reasons why I came up with the topic for today's episode is because somebody recently sent me a post from a pretty large Instagram account that caters towards physical therapists. So this account actually used to be really awesome. Like you got to see different specialties within physical therapy. You got to see how different physical therapists treat. There were some funny, funny memes in there. And overall, it was like a pretty positive account. And I don't know what happened over the last two years, but this account became clickbait trash and I also feel like part of it they tried to create divide within the physical therapy community by pitting us against each other because some of their posts are pretty controversial and then the only copy is thoughts or debate below and like this is so stupid like our our profession is already divided this is not helping And somebody sent me this recent post where this account did a stitch with someone, I think she lives in Australia, and she was so offended by what her friend told her. So the way the story went was her friend is at university, and this woman is so offended because her friend said that she's in the PT program, and they're learning about the pelvic floor, and they had to learn about Uh, internal exams and all it is is people all her classmates lying around with their vaginas out getting fingered quote fingered by each other and legs are all up in the air and it's so offensive and it's so disgusting and what's going on and I am not happy for a multitude of reasons the the main one being that this is an account that's catering to the rehab profession right so you're spreading this childish misinformation about what pelvic health looks like and 
we as a prof- we as a specialty within pe- physical therapy, so pelvic health specialists, there are not enough of us to go around. And a lot of students, physical therapy students, are intimidated to come into this field because they hear stupid misinformation that's not true, like this being circulated. And that furthers their fear, so it's kind of like a confirmation bias, right? Where it's like, oh, I I wasn't sure and now I'm really not going into it because this sounds weird and why would you do that? And that just sounds disgusting to me. So that's the number one reason why this bothered me. And the second reason, actually, this is probably a tie for number one reason why it bothered me. I'm sure it's not just rehab professionals who are seeing stuff like this because the original video was a stitch from another account that was not healthcare centric. And you as a client, if you're thinking about getting help for a pelvic floor ailment or recovering postpartum and you're considering physical therapy or pelvic floor physical or occupational therapy seeing something like this is kind of like whoa what kind of weird shit are these people doing this sounds highly unprofessional why would a professional be fingering me I don't want my legs in the air and that's not what happens and it is really it just exemplifies this point that nobody who isn't people who are not in this specialty don't really understand what we do as pelvic floor rehab specialists and i really wanted to clear that up and it's actually really funny to me so i'll speak with OBGYNs and mds and actually my oncologist is um He specializes in melanoma, which is what I'm seeing him for, but he also is a colorectal surgeon. Um, So I was talking with him about my job and like what I do because he needs somebody to refer to. And I was, he was like, well, what do your exams look like? And I was explaining to him like what it looks like. And even he was like, holy shit, I had no idea that that's what you do. So if fellow healthcare professionals don't understand what we do, you as a quote normal citizen and I don't mean that to be to be dismissive or downplay you your existence or anything but somebody who's not well versed in healthcare you probably have no fucking idea what I do and you're probably scared and you're like what the hell do I expect and this is partly why when I have new clients or somebody considering becoming a new client, I really encourage them jumping on what I call a free discovery call with me, which is basically like a 20 minute chat. So you can get to learn more about what your journey might look like instead of walking in blind and being like, here I am, because not many people are comfortable with that. So that's what we're going to talk about in today's episode is what exactly does a pelvic floor physical therapy evaluation treatment what does all of that look like and what can you expect if you're walking into something like that really quick overview of what your gyno might be looking for versus what i'm looking for so your gyno is very good at ruling out and picking out red flags that might be going on so and then in order to rule in or rule out those red flags and when I say red flags I mean like actual diagnoses like specific diagnoses like PCOS, uh, ovarian cyst, UTI, bladder infection, 
interstitial cystitis, um, adenomyosis, that those are all specific diagnoses that your OBGYN can decipher and use testing to rule in or rule out those conditions. I cannot do that. That is not my scope of practice. It's not within my scope of practice. That's not what I do as a pelvic floor PT. What I do as a pelvic floor PT is I assess the strength of your pelvic floor, how well your pelvic floor relaxes, the endurance of your pelvic floor, how well your pelvic floor plays with others. So meaning what happens when you're trying to coordinate your floor with things like your hips moving or your back moving or lifting, what's happening with your core, your abs. That's what I can do. Your OBGYN does not do that. They do not know how to assess those things because this isn't to shit on them. That's just not what they went to school for. That's not what their training is. They're very good at what they do, not so good at what I do. I'm very good at what I do. I am not good at what they do. I cannot diagnose. I do not order testing. It's just not within my scope of practice. I can tell you like, hey, maybe when you go to your OBGYN, since you haven't had an exam in a while, maybe you should have a UTI ruled out. That's what I can do. I'm never going to tell somebody you have a UTI. I'm, that's just negligence and dismiss and just not, it's not cool for lack of a better word. So that's a real quick Cliff's Notes version of the difference between the two. So this is why when OBGYNs and GYNs are giving out exercises like Kegels, it makes me angry because how do they know whether that Kegel, A, that whether the Kegel itself is appropriate for you because they don't know how to test your muscular performance, but how do they know the correct dosage? So dosage meaning how many reps, how many sets, how many times a day, how many times a week? How do they know that if they don't know how to assess whether you need Kegels or not? So that part, that makes me a little upset that that's being done but I mean you're all here so you're all learning and I'm very thankful for that so that's we're getting that out of the way first so now let's dive into I'm actually going to speak to what an exam looks like both in person and virtually because I do both and before we go ahead with that I am going to say that I've learned a lot about how different pelvic floor physical therapists work, working with people who have been to pelvic floor PT before. And everyone has told me I do things very differently from the way their former therapist had been doing things. And I honestly think it might be because, A, I'm super anal about <laughs> my training and connecting the dots and I'm very a very analytical person. I was a marketing analyst before I became a physical therapist. So I'm used to looking at relationships and associations and problem solving and I apply all of that to my work now. The second point being my background, my initial background was in orthopedics. So I am very well versed in all the joints, the ligaments, the muscles, the function of your external body moving body parts outside of the pelvic floor that's where I worked for four years before I dove into the pelvic floor world and before that I was a certified personal trainer so I know how to program exercises I know how to 
um, dose exercises very well. So I do have an extensive background in that. And then I kind of like wanted to take it a step further and I went into the pelvic floor world. So my exam might look and my treatment plan might look very different than what you have either seen on social media or you've heard from your friends or you've experienced yourself if you have been to pelvic floor PT. So this is considering um, all that considered moving forward with this episode, we're going to talk about, well, I'm going to talk about how I do things um, in regard to treating the pelvic floor. The first thing, and I think this is actually the most important, at least in my brain, this is the most important. So I spend a lot of time here. The first thing for both in-person and virtual clients is getting a really detailed history, like subjective history from my client or my potential client. This is partly why I do those discovery visits because I really want to learn what's going on with you. I want to know what your history looks like. I want to get you to start thinking because that initial talk that we have, not everything is going to be super apparent to you. Like I've had people where they, they're like, oh, well, I'm experiencing constipation. I've been constipated for the last 10 years and I don't know how to get pellets to stop coming out. And I changed my diet and nothing's working. And I'll be like, well, have you ever fallen on your tailbone? It doesn't seem like they're correlated, but they absolutely are. And people will be like, no, I've never fallen. And then like three sessions in, they'll be like, remember when you asked me about that fall on my tailbone? I really thought about that. And I remember when I was 15, I took a really bad fall during a soccer game. So this is to to get your brain going. And I think the pelvic floor is very different from other parts of our body because we've been conditioned to kind of ignore that right like it's seen as this sexual area this private area it's there's a lot of shame wrapped around it for a lot of people if you are experiencing things like leaking then it's even more shame inducing especially if you've been leaking since you were a kid right So pelvic floor issues can actually stem back to childhood. And this is what a lot of people do not understand. It's not strictly, explicitly a postpartum thing or an age thing. There are pediatric pelvic floor therapists who help with potty training and who help with constipation and um, all of that stuff. So anybody who has a pelvis who can pee, poop, and fart has a pelvic floor regardless of what your genitalia is regardless of what your birth history or lack thereof looks like and regardless of what your age is anyone can fall into um, the pelvic floor category so that's another aside but I really like to get a thorough subjective but also I will because also well before I go into the also the subjective history you telling me your story really helps me formulate where I'm going to go with my exam it helps me start to form hypotheses and I'll always be like because I'm I think out loud all the time I was telling a client yesterday I was like sometimes I don't mean to say my thoughts out loud or my thought process and it just comes out so I apologize but you always know where I'm going at least I hope you do Um, but I'll always have, this is where my brain is going. This is what I want to check out for you. This is what I feel like might be going on, but we can't really tell without a physical exam first. And the second point being is that because pelvic floor work is so intimate and you do need to trust me and you do need to be on that good rapport with me 
for the most part. I want you to feel comfortable with me. I want you to feel comfortable with, I see my clients in their home. So I want you to be comfortable with having me come into your house. So this way, like if you're talking to me over a video call as that discovery visit, I seem like a real person, right? I mean, you, we all know you can't tell real life, like what somebody's like in real life just by speaking with them hello, I've dealt with it with many of my exes before, right? Like you date these assholes for years and then they're actually not who they seem to be. So what is a 20 minute video chat going to do? But you know, anything I can do to help. But it also frees up some time if you do decide to come on as a client because we got those that 20 minute subjective history out of the way and my exam is a lot more streamlined and I kind of know where we're going and then if something gets derailed from that thought process it's easier to get it back on track instead of trying to put all the pieces together in that initial visit if that makes sense. This does not mean to say that everybody needs a discovery visit but um, it does help in a lot of ways for both me and the client and you as a client. So subjective is super important for me and I actually do um, on that first visit on evaluation, I do talk to you a little bit. So it'll be like, oh, so like has anything happened or changed since we last spoke? And I kind of give you a Cliffsnose version of what you told me and then we might dive in a little deeper into some subjective stuff. But it's not going to be a quick, oh, you're leaking? Get on the table and let's like stick a finger in you and see what's going on. That's not how I roll. I just, that's just not, that's not a good use of your time or my time. So the subjective, depending on the person, can that might take a while, even if you've had a discovery call. And then from there, we, I look into a few external things. So the thing that I have noticed in my seven years of practice is that the pelvic floor does not work in a bubble. Super, like because of where it is, it's very reactionary to how you use the literal rest of your body from head to toe. We, I feel like we should be looking at all of that and how all of that is moving together and see what your pelvic floor is doing because that's going to be what drives your treatment. You lying on a table and me just doing an internal exam and sending you on your way with Kegels, that's not going to drive any kind of treatment. That's not a treatment. That's a band-aid. That's not fixing anything. We need to get the full picture. So again, this is how I operate. Um, So what I do is I look at, first I look at your posture. This is for both virtual and in-person. We look at your posture. I ask it, have you ever worn any orthoses? How do you feel standing here? Sometimes like I'll notice somebody's like listing off to one side. I'll be like, oh, do you notice that you put more weight through your right leg and then the person will be like oh yeah I forgot to tell you I had a meniscus surgery when I was 20 like something like that and um it's just being not that posture is everything posture gives me like it helps me form a little bit of a hypothesis but it also gets us to start talking about your habits so another a big posture cue that I see with my clients especially who have pelvic floors that are not the best at relaxing is when they're standing still They are holding their belly in, like they're sucking it in. They're squeezing their butt cheeks together and or they're kind of like leaning back in what we call a posterior lean. So your spine is not neutral. 
And I'll ask them like, hey, do you notice that you suck in your abs? Do you notice that a lot of your breath is coming into your chest and not really into your torso? And they'll be like, oh yeah, well, I heard that sucking in my belly and squeezing my butt gives me good posture. And I feel like that's working my core all day long. And that's actually a habit that we want to break in regard to pelvic floor health because it actually puts your pelvic floor on high alert for long periods of time. And it could lead to things like leaking and pain with sex and feeling like you have to pee all the time and then when you go not much is you know to be reported and also a weakness because your pelvic floor is not really doing much to maintain its position it's relying on compensations from your abs your low back and your butt to do it do its job for it cliff's nose version and this is not always the case but this is kind of how my brain i'm trying to get you to see how my thought process goes as i'm assessing someone So after the posture, I then like to look at how you're moving. So based on where your pelvic floor is, it's literally at the center of you and everything that lives above and below a structure affects it and vice versa. So I want to see how your back is moving, how your hips are moving, how your knees are moving, how your ankles are moving, because all of those are so closely related to the pelvic floor and its function that if there's tightness or compensation somewhere outside of the pelvic floor, we can then hypothesize what might be going on with the pelvic floor when you do things like bend over or reach up to get something from a high shelf. So that's kind of like why I do that um, that exam because again, I want to get the full picture and bring everything together to make you like a full force of nature and not just like a pelvic floor like I don't see a pelvic floor when somebody comes to me I see a whole fucking human in front of me a whole functioning human in front of me um what else so we said mobility of low back low of hips hips are super important and then I'm also looking at your ab strength, your deep core strength, your deep core contraction. Are there any compensations with that? I'm looking at your hip strength. Are you compensating? Like holding people holding their breath is a big one when I'm testing strength of their muscles. Um, that's another thing that's a compensation for a pelvic floor that might not be performing the best. So those are all things I'm looking at. I'm also going to ask you to do some what we call functional motions. So squatting, single leg squats, lunging sometimes, some balance activities. Those are the the big ones that I do. And then if anything in your subjective comes up like, oh, well, when I lift my baby, I leak. I'm going to want to see how you lift something. Again, this is why the subjective is really important. So those are that's all for both in-person and virtual. I do all of those exams the same way. The next part is if you're comfortable, so I do want to put a disclaimer on this part. So in-person clients, if you're comfortable, you will get an internal assessment. You sign off on it, and then even though you sign off on it, when you send me your paperwork, I will ask you on eval, are you okay with an internal assessment? And you say yes. And then I will tell you this, you do not have to go through with it if you don't want to. If at any point with the internal assessment that you feel uncomfortable, please feel free to stop me. There, like, as you can see from the initial exam, the external exam, there's a million things to work on. If you are not comfortable, 
with me doing an internal exam, A, we don't have to, and B, if you decide later that that's that you want to incorporate that into your treatment, we absolutely can. It does not have to be done on day one. It doesn't have to be on day four. We could do it on day 50 if you want. This is all you because again, like it's all, I, I need your consent because I need you to be as comfortable as you are, as you can be with the process because that's the only way you're going to get results. If you're like lying there, checked out and you're like, just fix me, you're not going to get better. That's just how it goes. You need to be present in the moment. And you need to be absolutely comfortable with the process. And I try my best to help that, help facilitate that. So depending what you're coming for, um, some of these parts of the internal exam might be missing. Some of them might not be needed. It all depends. But I'm just going to give you the breakdown of what a total <laughs> internal assessment how it works. So um, I bring everything with me. So I have my table. I have sheets to make you comfortable. So what happens is um, if clients are comfortable with the internal assessment, they undress from the waist down and they drape a long sheet over, over them to cover everything. They lie on the table. I ask you to, so you're basically lying with your leg open, your legs open. One leg is resting on me and one leg is either resting out to the side if that's comfortable or we can prop you up with a pillow or something. Whatever's comfortable, whatever you're relaxed in. So the first thing I do is, is just an observation. So what I'm looking at is your vulvar area and I'm seeing if there's any lesions, any dryness, if you had if you're postpartum and you had a tear, I'm seeing if I can see any scar tissue, how the healing is going. Um, is there any redness? That's basically what I'm looking for. And then I look to see how well, so I'll have you do a Kegel. What does that look like? I'll have you cough. What happens to your vulva when you cough? Is it opening a little bit? Like sometimes that gives me an insight into where my brain is going if you're leaking or something like that. Um, what does it look like when you bear down? Can you do it well? Are you holding your breath with any of these? Are you compensating with any of these? Those are all things I'm looking at. Then we're still external, so I have gloves on. And what I do is I put pressure with my hands around, I call it, well, I don't just call it the pelvic clock, but it's the pelvic clock. So it's external around the vulvar area. So we're, I'm just pushing at different points, seeing if anything's painful, if anything makes you feel like you have to pee or poop, um, if anything's radiating, all of that stuff. That's what I do. And then I pull the sheet back over you and totally cover you up. I switch gloves and now we're getting to the internal part. So your pelvic floor has three layers of musculature and roughly speaking, the first layer goes to my first knuckle, so that very the very tip of my finger. The second layer goes to my second knuckle, and the third layer goes to my third knuckle. Again, I remind people, you can stop me at any time. If it's too painful, you could stop me. If it's uncomfortable, stop me. There's a million things we can work on with the information I got. This is also why I do, I personally do the internal exam last, because if people do decide they want to waive that part of the exam, they absolutely can, and I have so much information to go off of already. So, um... You have a right and a left side for pelvic floor. 
And what I do is I'll insert the to the first knuckle inside your vaginal opening and I'll do an internal assessment. So a little bit of pressure along that same pelvic clock that I did externally, but now I'm doing it internal. And I'm checking to see if anything feels tender, if anything's um, mimicking the pain, if you've had pain, if it feels the same way to you, is it radiating anywhere? And we do that same assessment for all three layers on both sides. This also, if you're coming with pelvic pain or pain with sex or um, urinary urgency, sometimes this will show up. The pelvic floor muscles, if they're kind of like, they're kind of like, but not kind of like the muscles in your shoulder. So you know how like you hold tension in your shoulder and you get your shoulder muscles worked out. The same thing can actually be happening to the muscles in your pelvic floor. So some of these muscles could be holding tension and I'm looking for I don't like to call them trigger points because there's so much data out there that trigger points don't actually exist, but I feel like everybody knows what a trigger point is or has an idea. So for that intent, for understanding purposes, I'm going to call them trigger points. I'm basically looking for trigger points in your pelvic floor musculature in all three layers, and those might be areas that we concentrate on to desensitize. And by that, I mean basically giving a massage to your pelvic floor muscles or doing, I should say, doing soft tissue work on your pelvic floor muscles. So this is why when that person in that Instagram reel or yeah, the Instagram reel said, oh, they're just fingering each other. That is so dismissive and so negligent about what's actually going on the entire time. Like, I'm not just sticking a finger in there and being like, huh, nice to hang out in here. There's actually a process to what I'm doing. Um, And this is all to say that the internal exam, the way I do it, you're fully draped the entire time. So your vagina is not hanging out. So I look initially to make sure like I'm going in the right direction for where my finger needs to be situated. And then once it's there, then I'll pull the sheet back over you. And we're literally just sitting there and you're just sitting there with a sheet over your vagina. Like your vagina is not out on display. I'm not staring at it the entire time. That's just, that's how I do it. I feel like it's the most comfortable for people. Um, And I don't really need to see anything at this point. So once we check out both sides for trigger points and areas of areas that might not be relaxing the best, I will um, ask you to do a Kegel. I'll see how the strength of that. What's the endurance look like? If this is where my brain's going with your um, eval, what does there's it's called a fast twitch contraction. So how well can you perform at that max strength? How many times and can you relax between each? And these are very, very quick um, basically quick kegels. And then I know, are you compensating with any of those? I also assess how well do you relax between each one? Um, that's kind of what I'm looking at with the internal exam and something popped in my brain. I forgot what it was anyway. And then, so that's the, um, the anterior, the vaginal exam. If you warrant a posterior exam, I do do examining the pelvic floor from the anus. So I will have somebody turn over on their belly if they're comfortable lying that way. Otherwise, you can lie on your side. And again, I drape the sheet over you. So it's over your entire butt. And the same three layers that the same way I assess them vaginally, I obviously change gloves first. 
but then I will assess it through the anus because this is we mistakenly think that the pelvic floor is just a vaginal issue when it actually spans the front of you so vaginally through rectum so we need to check out that entire sling especially if you're having things like chronic constipation and or you've had like a rectal resection or something like that we need to examine it rectally to get the most the most information and I'm assessing the same way left and right three layers of muscular how musculature how well do they relax how well do they contract and then that's pretty much it. So that's for in-person. If you're a virtual client, obviously, I'm not going to have you on display in front of me because that would just be weird. If you're comfortable, I will give you a handout that has you doing your own self-exam with a finger. This one I don't do rectally because I feel, A, like it's hard for people to get their hand back there and I'm not having people do that. Um, but vaginally, if you're comfortable, I do have you doing that. And I do have you doing a, um, a mirror assessment. So looking in a mirror, seeing what happens, seeing what your vulva looks like. Is there any irritation? The same things I was looking for. You're looking for some of those things on a self-exam. Again, not in front of me. That will probably be your homework on the first day. And then um, on our next session, we talk about your findings. If you're a virtual client, I'll walk you through with... Um, doing a pelvic floor contraction, a pelvic floor endurance exercise, the quick flicks that I talked about earlier. And I don't give you too much information on that. I will tell you to do it. And then I'll be like, what did you feel? And you have to talk to me about what's going on. And then I'll say, what was your butt doing? And then you tell me that. And it might take a few tries for you to get all the information and relay it to me. But I don't tell people what they should be feeling with that initial part because I really want you to feel what it feels like in your body because that's the best way for us to determine what's happening instead of you trying to be on your best behavior and give me a good report card because that's not going to help us, right? Like we have to see why things are happening the way they're happening and what might contrib be contributing to them. Um, What else? And then for both virtual and in person you get homework for the week and that might be like two to three exercises super basic it's basically like relearning your body so they're not the most exciting things on the planet but we're really my goal anyway is to help you reestablish that connection with a part of your body that you pretty much forgot existed so deep core and pelvic floor or I should say deep abdominals and pelvic floor did I talk about I might have missed this part now that I'm like going over my own exam and this might I might have said it but before I do the internal I'm not sure if I talked about whether I do the the transverse abdominus or the deep ab observation if I didn't here it is if I did here it is again so before I jump in the internal for both virtual and um, in-person clients, I will assess how your deep abdominals are performing. Are you compensating? What's your pelvic floor doing when you contract those muscles? Um, and those are really, really imperative because they work so closely with the pelvic floor and both sets of musculature need to work well together in, either, in order to work effectively together. 
the and your transverse abdominis, I call it the TA, that lives under one of my clients' husbands calls it the vanity abs, aka your six pack. They live under the six pack muscles. And a lot of people do not use them well, especially if you have pelvic floor issues. Um, these often play into it. So I do assess the TA for both virtual and in-person clients. Um, so yeah, so you get homework, very basic stuff. We're trying to reestablish that connection and that awareness to that part of your body. Also bringing awareness to any compensations that you might have throughout your day, like holding your breath, like uh, pushing and bearing down when you're doing something strenuous. Uh, what's another big one? I call it counter hugging. So are you resting your hips on the counter and kind of like leaning your body back? Like these are all things that we're starting to pay attention to in order to get you the most well-rounded program I can possibly get you. Uh, another one, bladder irritants. What does your your bladder irritant intake look like if you are leaking or if you are experiencing urgency? We look at that. If you're constipated, what does your stool chart look like? Are you going from pellets to nice big sausages? Is it just staying status quo? All of these things are things that we pay attention to because again, they tell us a little bit about what's going on. They drive your evaluation and then they eventually drive your treatment because we're constantly comparing what you told me on day one to what you're telling me on day 15. Okay. Um, so that's what the initial assessment looks like. I hope that didn't sound too scary. And then for follow-up treatments, it's basically like a comp, not a comp, like a progressed version of that evaluation. So um, again, this is how I work. Not everyone is the same, but I see my clients for the most part starting off for the first month or two. I see everyone once a week and then you get homework for the week. Some people start off twice a month, which is totally fine. Some people are once a month. Whatever works for your schedule and your finances, I am totally cool with. We can work with anything. Like, I, I always say I have a plan for you, but you are more than involved in that plan. So it, it needs to work for you also. And whatever works for you works for me. So um, I have some clients who I've been seeing for over a year and they're still coming once a week because they like having uh like a session every week and I'm not going to deny them that and they know that they <laughs> they don't need to come every week if they don't want to but they want to and I'm not going to deny people treatment I'm not going to force people force treatment on people like I'm super chill with scheduling as long as you don't cancel on me at the last minute and um so every week we look at your exercises, we progress what we can because it's all about progression too, right? So like you're never going to be doing the same exercises that you were doing a month ago with me unless that exercise is still challenging for you. I, I always have a printout and I'm like, okay, and this is the feed, the biggest or the most consistent piece of feedback that I've gotten from people who have seen other physical therapists is like, you're the only one who actually asks what's getting easy and can it be progressed? And I'm like, yeah, because that's how you get better. <laughs> that's the only way you're going to get better. And if your initial evaluation, if your homework was learning how to connect with your deep abs, how to relax your pelvic floor, and um, what's another one? How to get breath into your belly because you were 
breathing through your chest the entire time and your ribs weren't expanding, your belly wasn't expanding. Those three pieces of homework, they're not going to, I mean, they're still important six months down the line, but if we're not getting other parts of the puzzle involved, like your hips, like your back, like your arms, like other moving parts, it's going to, it's not going to be doing you a very good service because we're not putting everything together. Again, your pelvic floor is very, very reactionary to the way you use the rest of your body. So we want to make sure that everything is working nicely together and one person is not taking the brunt of the group project, which is the whole reason why you came to me in the first place, right? So once you get more into your treatment, your exercise program will look more like a quote workout. So you might be doing more involved things like squats, like lunges, like, uh, I don't know, step ups, like a deadlift. Like this is what our eventual goal is because we're mimicking things that you do in real life. Like deadlifting is basically picking your kid up from the floor or picking a pot up from the floor or whatever. You know what I mean? So that's how I structure things. Um, Follow-up sessions are usually anything you want to review, we can absolutely review. Any exercises you need to upgrade, we can absolutely upgrade. If you're in person and um, I might do a reassessment of your pelvic floor strength while you're doing certain things. And if you are one of the people who are on the tighter pelvic floor side who did have those tight spots and trigger points that we found on evaluation, we basically do like a soft tissue work on those areas to help calm them down and help them relax. And then we do exercises to follow up to set that. So that's how I do things. Um, I hope that was helpful and I hope that cleared some stuff up and made pelvic floor, the world of pelvic floor rehab, not so scary Because again, like I know that it can feel really daunting and it's like, well, I don't want somebody in my vagina. What are you going to do to me type of thing? And I mean, it's probably not the most pleasant experience in the whole world, but it's absolutely necessary. And the more information that we have and the more education that we have around these parts of our bodies and how they work and how we treat them and how we take care of them, the hopefully less problems we see out there and the less people that have to settle for sitting their life out on the sidelines and we if you've been around here for a while you know we don't subscribe to that nonsense around here so i hope this episode was helpful i actually i made a youtube video about this a while ago and i never edited it and i never posted it so I'm going to drop a link to my YouTube channel in the show notes. I'm hoping to get that up sometime by November. And if um, you want a visual, you can absolutely feel free to watch that YouTube video. And yeah, that's all I got. So if you know of somebody in your life who is very apprehensive about seeing a pelvic floor specialist and they don't know what to expect, please share this episode with them. Please share the YouTube video once it's uploaded with them as well. And I thank you so much for your time and your interest in this topic. I love it. I think it's amazing. It's it's so needed. And um, when people are spreading misinformation, especially when they have large platforms like the one I spoke about at the beginning of this episode, it makes me really upset because it deters not only clinicians from entering this field and giving more power to you but it also could be deterring somebody like you from seeking treatment because it's making it out to be this scary invasive thing that it just is not so um 
again, thank you for hanging out with me today in this corner of the podcast world. And that's all I got. So have a great one, everyone. And I will see you on the next episode of Finally Fearless.